This is Up For Debate Presents Scary Movies To Watch In The Dark. Tonight, episode number 166, recorded November 26th, 2019. Chapter 5, The Blair Witch Project. Hello everybody and welcome to this spooky, scary, late November episode of Up For Debate. I am Sean Jennings, joined as always by um, everyone's favorite local amateur film student. It's Matt Mariani. Hello, Matt. <laughs> All right. How's it going, Sean? You ready to go into the woods? I'm so scared. Sean, if I asked you to go into the woods with me, like just on a whim, what would your answer be? Yeah. Well, first of all, you specifically, absolutely not. <laughs> what? Why not? Because you're... Because you're an insane person, and I feel like <laughs> I feel like it would be one of those things where we would get lost, and you'd be like, "I got mad, so I kicked the map into the river," and I'd be like, "Why would you do that?" <laughs> yeah, things would be pretty unpredictable. Like, like, oh, I I forgot to bring uh, a compass and a GPS because we needed extra room in the bag for power bars, and I'm like, "No, Matt, <laughs> don't do that." Yeah, uh, I, I think I think that'd be pretty fun. I but think we would be in for an adventure. Would we meet any witches along the way? Who knows? But I think we'd have a good good afternoon. Absolutely. We just should not go into haunted woods. Yeah, haunted woods, that's that's a whole different story. Do you know of any uh haunted woods near where you live? I mean, I generally I generally avoid the woods, so I'm probably not the guy to ask. Um hmm. nor do I believe in haunted things. So I'm not really an expert. I'm sure there are. Yeah. I'm sure there are. Um, yeah, of course. I, I've heard all sorts of legends, stories about things like the Jersey Devil and stuff like that in the woods up there. But um, the – oh, you know what? It, I, I just happened to come across this as we were talking about it. The uh, I didn't know. The um, I, I wasn't – I guess I wasn't paying attention during the movie to this part. But the um, – Blair Witch Project is set right in my backyard here in Burkittsville, Maryland. Burkittsville, Maryland. Yeah. I wonder how that how far the way that is for me. Do a quick little map search, map quest it. But Yeah, I as far as I understand in my research, the film is inspired by certain things um and that the, there is a Blair Witch from the Burkittsville area. Mm. The the ghost of Ellie Kedward, a woman banished from the Blair Township for witchcraft in 1785. So that's the uh that's basically the premise of the story. I guess we could we can get right into it. Oh, it's only an hour and a half. Only one hour and thirty six minutes from here. Hey. I probably want to go for right a hike there. Yeah? Wanna go for a hike? Yeah. It's um sure. Yeah, it's right by Harper's Ferry. I know, I know that I know that area pretty well. Yeah, interesting. Well, in case you haven't figured it out, the movie we're talking about is the Blair Witch Project, the 1999 film, uh, famously made on a budget of sixty thousand dollars, went on to gross two hundred and forty-eight million at the box office. Uh, I think there was a little bit of profit on that. Uh, Matt, oh, you I, selected this movie. I did. I did. This was one of my picks. Um, Why? So. 
if you look at if you look at the 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 three of my picks so far, we, we talked about the Exorcist, um, the, the first in the series that we talked about. Uh, we will be talking about Hereditary next week, um, and we're talking about Blair Witch today. All three of them, to me, they did something to move the horror genre forward. And I won't give away what that was for Hereditary just yet, but. Um, you know, we, we talked about The Exorcist and how it um, kind of took horror into the next generation um, with its with its pacing, with its writing, with uh, it pushing the envelope in certain areas of, of, of uh, culture and, and expectations from a movie. Um, and I think Blair Witch did that in a different way. Um, I guess the most obvious way. And, you know, if, you, if you've ever heard of um, the Blair Witch Project before, you know that it sort of pioneered this, uh, I don't know if you want to call it, a, what would you call it, a genre or a... A, 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 a style, a trope. Style, yeah, the, st- the style of fa- found footage. Right. Um, but it did more than that. Um, and what I think is even more interesting, and I guess we'll, we'll hit on this later on, is the uh, viral campaign, the viral marketing campaign that was behind this movie uh, was kind of unprecedented. And uh, I- I'm sure we'll talk at length about, about that. I-, I, um, I would absolutely love to pick your brain about this, Sean, being a, um, being a, a, a marketing, marketing guru. Is that how you, you would describe yourself? Yeah. I would say any doctor would want to get a good look at me because I'm constantly going viral. Um, all right. Thank you for laughing. Yeah, no, I look, there's going to be two sections to this evening's discussion. One is the movie and one is everything around the movie. Um, I think one of those is better than the other to find out which you'll have to stay tuned. So where do you want to start, Matt? Do you want to start with the story behind the movie or the movie itself? I think we'll, we'll start with the movie itself. Okay. We'll just do like a little brief pl- plot synopsis. Yeah, so let's talk about it. Uh, set in October of 1994, three film students set out to produce a documentary about the Blair Witch. They traveled to Burkittsville. Uh, they interview some residents about the legend. Uh, they go out to camp and hike in the woods. And as they move farther into the woods, they begin to get lost. Uh, they start hearing noises in the woods. Um they come across uh, these... How would you describe the symbols that they... The sticks, the arranged sticks. Um, they're not I would really. Describe them as, I would say creepy and unsettling. Oh, there you go, a bundle of sticks. They're, they're just a bunch of sticks, but they they seem to be the way that they're arranged is like. I always found it to be like halfway between. Okay, did the wind blow them that way, or are they supposed to be like that? And it's it's just unsettling enough. Like mm-hmm. it's not a concrete symbol, right? Or a concrete message, but it's like it's always the way that they're arranged is like, are they supposed to be like that, or is this like the forest just playing tricks with me? Yeah, well, when it first starts uh, mid movie, they're just piles of rocks before yeah. they actually move into the sticks. It is very sort of casual in that respect. And the rocks, yeah, you can kind of brush those off as just basic trail markers, right? Like it's not that far out of the norm. Uh, but the uh, the unusual way that the um, sticks are arranged. By the way, 
Uh, fun fact: a a a small pile of rocks um, is called a cairn. We would call that a cairn. C a i r n. That's a term that I had never heard before. I had to I had to look it up. I don't think um, anyone's ever used that before. Cairn. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, uh, don't say that we're not educational, at least a little bit sometimes no. about about a voc- vocabulary about hiking. So, um. Yeah, the the bundle of sticks are, is interesting. It's um, it's it's sort of like it's sort of like a uh, an un, unner, unearthly symbol. Would you say like it's a very the way it's arranged? I would argue it's very uh, uh, the biggest one we see. It looks like a big person almost. That one is you know several a couple stories high. It's very large. Um, I would say they're they're very pagan esque. They're very yes, that's repli- a good word. For they, it. they invoke the human form in nature in a way. Oh, I would say because they're they're all very sort of when we see them, not just kind of the loose bundle, but they're very kind of like A shaped. With usual, to me, they all kind of looked like a representation of a person. Maybe yeah. maybe I'm a little sort of what's in the ink blotting this, but. Oh. No, I think I think that's good, Sean. You're like a you're like a film student. I, you know, Matt, we've reviewed enough movies on the show. I thought I would have learned something by now. <laughs> it's like we, we could probably teach a film class. I bet you and me. Could we teach one? Yes. Should we? We'll let the fans decide. Yeah. Um, and of course, then we later on we see the house at the end of the movie, which is also covered in sort of uh, demonic symbols, children's bloody handprints, um, further continuing that uh, imagery. Yeah, um, the the so the three hikers they go deep into the woods. Um, eventually, a lot of things happen or nothing happens depending yeah. <laughs> on how you on how you how you contextualize the movie. Very fair. Um, and then yeah, they end up in a they end up in like a broken down abandoned house in the middle of the woods. That's when they see all the demonic symbols covering the walls, um, bloody handprints on the walls next to the the symbols as well. Um, and I think they're looking for one of the lost camper, like one of the one of their friends is like missing. Yes, she just like disappears. I believe uh, Josh, Josh is the first one to kill to be killed. Uh, they find the bundle with his with his teeth and his tongue in it, uh, and some of his uh, shirt as well. Fun fact: those were real human teeth procured from a local dentist uh, in the filming of the movie. Uh, and yes, so at that point, then they go to the house thinking they're going to find him. Um, and then the movie ends. Uh, yeah, they, I, I, I really do like that last scene though. And that la- the last scene is, is on a lot of, um, a lot of people's lists for scariest or creepiest mo- moments in a, in a horror film, you know, where, where the, um, uh, they just have that you just see um mike just like is standing in a corner yes and- based on the legend um of the child murderer uh who would kidnap children in two correct me if i get this wrong that he would kidnap children in two he would make one child stand in the corner and listen as he murdered the first child then he would murder the second child Loose, that's loosely the legend. Yeah, I think that's is that one of the legends that um they touch on in the 
Like when they're interviewing the people in the town, yes. in like the beginning of the movie, I think yep. one of them mentions that. Yeah, they story. set that yeah. up specifically standing in the corner, and that's sort of the callback. Yes, uh, at the end of the movie. Yeah, I I think I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was probably the most brilliant part of the movie, uh, the call, the setup, and the callback. Sean, the the problem is what happens between A and B, right? I I thought my my biggest critique of the movie and what I enjoyed the least was the pacing. Um. I I don't know. It reminded me of of going on a fishing trip. I mean, obviously, like the outdoors, the nature. Right. But it's the waiting. It was just the waiting for something to happen. Yeah. That's kind of like the entire movie. But I mean, unlike most fishing trips that I've ever been on, this one has like a real payoff because I suck at fishing, so I can I never catch anything. But um, this this movie, if you finally got that that scene at the end. Um, with the uh they meet the they, i guess you could say they meet the blair witch um but it's kind of left to your interpretation because whoops the camera um they drop the camera it breaks and then that's kind of the end of the movie uh the, it's presumed that this is found footage uh which kind of gets us into the marketing or the viral the viral production of this movie unless there's anything else you wanted to touch on in the plot no the only thing i i did want to kind of bounce off of your the waiting element of it and, and all this is sort of critiquing the movie as a whole because i do want to talk about the production aspects of it which i have a lot of thoughts on but just as a movie i think this one is unique in that it it walks that line that it wasn't meant to walk which is is this a small independent art film or is this a big Hollywood horror film? Because it was made as the former and ended up being the latter. Oh, and yeah. I, I think as a big Hollywood film, this doesn't really work. And I agree with you that the pacing isn't spectacular. Um, there are long periods where nothing happens. Also, I could not imagine watching this on a big screen and not getting immediately motion sick. I got motion sick on my TV at home in the first five minutes, okay? Never mind on a giant screen. But I do think as an art, as an independent film, I do think it works really well. And I do think they do a good job of working up the tension. So by the end of the movie, when they are running around that house frantically screaming for their friend, my heart was legitimately racing, which is hard to get me to do in movies. Because you, you actually, it's not that the movie's telling you they've lost their mind, they've shown you that they've lost their mind. And I appreciated that throughout. I just don't think that works on a big screen in your local movieplex, you know? That, that to me, is it's a, more of a perception problem than a problem with the movie. Yeah, it's, it's the... Um, I guess you could say it's, it's the downside of using this, this kind of... this found footage style is, is it's... Uh, it can be a little bit, a little bit wacky at times with the the sudden jerking motions and, uh, I I don't know I, I kind of I guess I kind of like that aspect in in certain in small doses I guess but, um you're right when it's when it's a feature length film, I've actually I've I've never seen a movie like this in theaters Sean have you have you ever had that did you ever see uh, Cloverfield No I haven't seen any like any found footage movies. So I don't know. Um, but that's but that then that's what I like to compare it to is is what I know of like VHS or Paranormal Activity, the other horror found footage films. It's they're all jump scare movies. You know, they don't yeah. they don't build tension throughout cuz I don't I think that's difficult to do in a found footage movie because there isn't acting, there aren't scenes necessarily. 
So that's what I think is unique about this one is they actually do take the time. They go through all the boring shit at the beginning. I literally wrote in my notes, like, assuming the woods weren't haunted and they didn't get killed, that would have been a terrible documentary they were making. Like, it would have sucked. <laughs> but you actually see them starting to make it. And that's what's interesting to me. I feel like if you made this movie today, you would jump right to them in the woods and you wouldn't take the time to set it up. You know, them in the hotel room at the beginning and all this kind of stuff. You don't need it, but I do think it works to pay off the end. Sean, there's another movie out there I want to plug and and listeners can definitely go and watch this. But you, you're, um, what you were saying just reminded me of it. It's I believe it's on Netflix. If not, it's it's definitely going to be on Shutter. If it's not there already, um, it's called The Ritual. Okay. Or it might just be Ritual. It's it's it was when I watched it, it was very reminiscent of Blair Witch Project in in many different ways. It was it was almost like paying homage to it, except the ending was very different. And I, I won't say any more about it, but it's it's very much worth. It's worth checking out, especially if you like this movie. Cool. Uh, or if you if you want to see this movie done in a in a more contemporary setting, which is kind of what you were getting at was the uh, if the movie if if this movie was made today that if if this movie were made today it would be the ritual. Gotcha. If, if you, so yeah, I, I recommend that you check it out. And I it is on a, it is on Netflix. It is yeah. Um, it I, it's either a Norwegian movie or. I want to say I want to say one of like a Scandinavian movie, but it's it's um absolutely worth worth checking out. Um, the Ritual. Uh, another movie that is um another movie that is similar in spirit that I that I always found was kind. Of, oh, it's I was wrong. It, it is a British movie, British supernatural, not not Scandinavian. Mm-hmm. I don't know why I thought it was Scandinavian. Ah, uh, same thing. It's up there. It's up there in the in the northern northern reaches of Europe. But yeah, Ritual was excellent. Uh, Paranormal Activity, I think we we know is is kind of a series that uh, maybe went too far, but, as most uh, horror franchises do. Yeah, in, in its in its early stages, though, like you think back to the very first Paranormal, I think they were trying to catch lightning in a bottle, um, and they were trying to recreate another i think they were really trying to trying to cast that blair witch magic again on there i mean you saw like the all oh, these are real audience members reacting i love those are so activity. lame yeah and and you, you had like um uh 40 of audience members had to leave the theater before that was like they you had that kind of of marketing spirit behind it but um the granddaddy of them all was definitely blair witch like it it pioneered not just the not just the style of found footage shaky cam but it also pioneered the um the, the this 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 viral marketing that's kind of something I, I i really want to talk about um and we will but before we do yeah. i am going to make yeah. us talk about how the movie Commercial was made break. and then we can talk oh. about how it was marketed I thought we were. I thought we were going on a commercial break, and we're back. This is usually the part where the <laughs> this is the part where the like um, we would be talking about Manscaped or yes. something. Please don't make me talk about Manscaped. Honestly, I don't have a problem with podcast ads. I have a big problem with Manscaped ads. <laughs> 
I I don't nothing. And you know what really bothers me? There's some podcasts I listen to where it's the very first thing you hear is they start with the ad. It's a man's, and so you pl- hit play, and the first thing you hear, like, "Men, are your balls gross?" And I'm like, <laughs> "What is this about?" Yeah, we don't need to talk about manscapes. No, we don't. Um, there, there are many, many potential sponsors out there that I would love to have sponsor us. Manscaped will never. I will, we, not, we I will never. Money. Will never want their money. So, it's just not. It's just not. Not what we're about. We are it's for sale, brand. but not to them. There you go. It's a deal. Um, but Wawa, if you're listening, oh shit, that would be great. Give us a call. I'd even settle for sheets. Okay, I would. Yeah, I think they're. I think they're both great. In different in different neighborhoods, Absolutely. different departments, but but we could talk about that on a on a future Is show. Piggly Wiggly still a thing. Uh, anyway, I'm getting distracted. So, uh, Blair Witch Project. I do think you have to talk about how the movie was made, and not just because it was found footage, handheld shot, because there's more to it than that. I think is really interesting. So the original script of the film was just. 35 pages, and if you're not a Hollywood insider like Matt and I, film scripts usually top over 100 pages. There was really no script to this movie. It was all meant to be more or less improvised, which is crazy to do a whole movie improvised. And so what they did, was, and again, this is where that small art film thing comes in that you couldn't really get away with today as much. You know, I'm sure Paranormal Activity had a full script written and every scene plotted out. But they gave these actors, these actors, the actual cameras, the CP-16 film camera and the high 8 video camera, and were literally sent out into the woods alone, the three of them, to shoot the movie. There were no scripts. They literally acted and lived the events of the movies. Each day, uh, they were directed via GPS to certain locations and given notes one for each actor, of their motivation for the day. But they were not given any lines. They were only told, make sure you hit A, B, and C. And they were literally scared. They they were deprived of food. They literally were harassed at night, as you see in the movie. All that really happened to these people, these improv actors. Yeah, that's pretty I, wild. I love that. <laughs> How cool is that? When you go, first of all, no shit, this film wasn't written because you listen to the dialogue and you're like, they did not write this. It's not that good. But you have to appreciate the. F- I think it. I think that to me, even more so than the fact it was shot handheld, that adds something to me. Of man, maybe the acting in this is really good. I don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a great documentary that I recommend you check out called The Woods Movie. Mm. Just had to look it up really quick. It's a documentary about the about the production of Blair Witch Project um, and interviews with the creators, interviews with the, the, um, the people kind of behind the, behind the project. Uh, and they, they talk about all that. They talk about how, how uh, super realistic they wanted to make this. Uh, in, and you have to keep in mind, like this is 1990, 1999 when this movie premieres. And, but, but it was conceptualized in the early nineties. Yeah. It was shot, so this is shot in 97. Way, yeah. It was shot in 97. This is way before reality TV kind of took over. So mm-hmm. this is, this is something that is like 
maybe talked about in film schools, but but not and 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 done there, but not on a not on the scale that 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 we see here. So that's kind of that always made it kind of cool for me was was seeing that this this um this movie is is being made without that precedent like without without the 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 convenience of reality tv right there to kind of to kind of like be a template this was the template this was the the uh predecessor to all of that well, and, and you think about the technology aspect of it, too. I mean, they take a film camera out with them into the woods, which is crazy. You think today, we, you know, every person has a camera on them. My house is filled with cameras. Like, I think that's why Paranormal Activity doesn't quite have the oomph in it. It's because, you know, the, the guy in the house in the movie is like a professional cinema camera that he bought at Best Buy. You know, it, it doesn't quite have the same effect as these people who... It, it, the film doesn't look good. Like, I'm just going to come right out and say it. It looks grainy. It doesn't look good. If we shot this today on our iPhones, it would be in 4K. That's what's cool about it. And I give them a lot of credit for being smart and using a film and a video camera at the same time. Because it, it allows you to cut between them and give you different perspectives and make it more visually interesting. Uh, which I think was a very smart idea. You you wouldn't do that today. And that, to me, is what speaks so late 90s of this. is We're just getting into high 8 into video cameras but we're not to the point where GoPros exist. Yeah. It's uh, the, the visual style and the production had a lot to do with, with the scares of this movie. Cause it, it's not obviously no, no jump scares really. And I mean, until arguably until you get to the end, very end of the film, um, just unsettlingness, like, like un unease throughout throughout the majority of the film build this building sense of of um mystery or or like almost like you're getting lost in the woods with these people yep uh and i just love that and and the 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 production has a lot to do with with why why this movie works as a horror film um one of the quotes that came out of the movie is from the critic roger ebert uh, and he said, at a time when digital techniques can show us almost anything, the Blair Witch Project is a reminder that what really scares us is the stuff we can't see. The noise in the dark is almost always scarier than what is actually making the noise in the dark. Yep. I, I shamelessly read that quote right off the Wikipedia page, and I don't care. But it is uh, true. But it is but it is so true. And it is it is so applicable to what makes this movie work as a, as a horror movie. Absolutely right. Um, so let's move closer, Matt, to that, the market. I just, I love teasing this out. Mm. Um, they uh, shot about 20 hours, uh, cut it down into the movie, uh, and they didn't think anything would come of it. They thought maybe it'd make it on cable TV, maybe straight to video, but it was never meant to be a big movie. But they uh, showed it at Sundance, which you'll talk about how they marketed it there in a minute. Um, and Artisan Entertainment bought the distribution rights for $1.1 million. It was very successful at Sundance. Um, and they ended up pushing it into wide release because they believed in the movie um, so much because of all the publicity around it. Uh, as I mentioned, uh, it grossed uh, $29.2 million uh, in its opening weekend. It actually beat Deep Blue Sea the movie in its opening weekend um 
And it went on. It was the 10th highest grossing movie in 1999. Um, did you ever see Deep Blue Sea? I've seen enough of it in pieces on cable to claim I've seen it. Okay. I, I, I feel like I'm in the exact same boat as you. I don't think anyone's yes. ever sat and watched the whole thing. No, I, I think it is it is on cable so often that I feel like I've I've I can piece together like snippets of the movie and I and I feel like I feel like I've seen it. That would even be though a, I haven't actually seen it. That would be a really fun episode. Would be like movies we know from cable reruns. Oh yeah. Like like what are a movie you're flipping through the channels on a Saturday afternoon and you stop everything to finish watching what movie? I used to be. It used to be half baked. That used to be on oh. Comedy Central almost, almost religiously. Uh, I feel like Idiocracy is on quite a bit. Okay, that's a movie I've I've. Well, I saw the whole thing when it came out, but bits and pieces for sure. Um, there, yeah, there are there are just those movies that are that are like constantly on Lethal Weapon. Oh, sure. Lethal Weapon 2. My, my, oh, yeah. Mine has to be TNT, Twister. Oh, yeah. Twister, I've only ever seen on cable. And I know that movie front to back because I've seen it because <laughs> they would always run Twister. And there's just something about that movie that I just Constant. really enjoy. Anyway, Matt. That's the one about the, that's about the board game, right? The Yes, the live action adaptation of Twister. Uh, Twister. The hot spot. Was, yes, that the, was that what they used to say in the commercials? What? Twister. Yeah, Matt, go ahead. Sing the Twister song. Because <laughs> I don't think there was one, so I'd love to hear you like make one up. Twister. Play this game with your friends. Fun never ends with Twister. Wow, you should really write jingles. All right, I'm going to play. You won't be able to hear it, but the folks at home will. There's excitement going round. There's a party. Uh, Going down. Twister. Yeah. Ah. The Twister. The hot spot. You're right. See, I told you. I wasn't making it up. Abs- that's a I real did thing. Not rem- See, now that I see this commercial. It's, just one of the, it's one of those things that's encoded in my brain uh, since childhood. All right. I'm going to. like Mr. Bucket. Remember Mr. Bucket? Mr. Bucket. Put balls in my mouth. Mr. Bucket. Yeah. <laughs> that never gets old, there Sean. There we go. I sent you the Twister commercial to watch at yes. your leisure. Mr. Bucket. Mr. Bucket. Oh, boy, Matt. What a time. The 90s, Certainly am I right? Have a good time. Mr. Bucket. Um, uh, yeah, that's so, like your crossfire. Crossfire! Yes. Never so, gets old. Um, but anyway, the, yeah, Blair Witch, it's, uh, it's marketing. Uh, if, you, if you watch that documentary that I mentioned earlier, right, they say something that is ludicrous to me they, they say that they're they had over 20 hours of raw footage for this film they had yep. to cut yep. they had to condense it and yep. somehow get it into like a like a a two and a half hour time span that's nuts 20 hours it took them eight months to edit it matt now there's no wow. like effects in the movie it's literally just arranging the footage yeah that's that's so crazy that'll drive you crazy um, all right, Matt, let's talk about the marketing of this movie. All right. Um, the marketing, the marketing was, was, I mean, all right, just picture this today. Okay. Um, three people missing, presumed dead. There are police reports out. 
newsreel style interviews talking about um, how these people were making a documentary and then out of, uh, suddenly just went missing in the um, in the woods in Maryland. Uh, the, the 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 but but we found this this camera okay, uh, and it, it contains footage that we believe is like the last we've ever seen of these three people. Uh, it's all reported on 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 magazines and websites, and um, this is all we know about the uh, about about the movie. It, it's just this is like we just found this camera. Mm-hmm. Um, I think today, would you would you say this would be considered AR? No, today I think if the movie were made today, it would be AR. It would be like in an AR. The marketing would be done in, in an AR style. Uh, you, you mean agree? augmented reality? I don't think so, though. And the reason why is because it's not interactive. You know what I mean? They're pushing out a lot of information around the movie, which I appreciate, but nothing asks you to do anything. And I think a good AR game requires you to solve a puzzle or or to put clues together or to find things that are hidden. And I think okay. this is just pumping out information. So it's in the vein of. I wouldn't compare it to like today's AR. No, no, this is, it's I mean it's it's more it's, it's a more primitive just, version. It's straight up viral marketing. Yeah. But I think I think if this were made today, then Oh, they it would try be, something. It would yeah. certainly be AR. This this basically screams AR. Yeah, so. no, there would be you know, some secret website you'd have to find and encoded on the site would be GPS coordinates to a house in the woods. And when you go there, there's a bunch of film canisters and, you know, like there, I think there would be a lot more involved. I think, I think it would all start with the find the found footage. Now the found footage would be all jumbled up and scrambled. You'd have to run it through some sort of computer program yeah. backwards yeah. at like, you know, minus 0.25 speed or something. And encoded in there would be like some sort of sort of binary code, and then you would translate that. Or there'd be like ancient runes, and you'd have to like look at those, and it would it would spell out like the name of a place or something. Yeah, it would be something like that for sure. It just it seems like this if this movie were made now, that's what you would that's what the marketing would be. But I don't think it would work. Because there are movies in the recent history that have done AR experiences to promote the movie or launch the movie. But usually those take place within the world of the movie. I don't think you could successfully create an AR campaign that could actually convince people, like this one did, that the that the people in the film are actually dead. And it really happened. Like, I feel like today... You know, like one of the things about this, you mentioned the the missing posters and the website. IMDb listed the axers as missing, presumed dead for the first year of the film's availability. Um, I, I don't think you can get it in an Internet social media age. I just don't think you can get away with that today because I feel like it would leak out very quickly or people would maybe wink, wink. They'd play into the gimmick. But I, I have a feeling back in the 90s, people actually might have believed this was a real thing. Not everybody, but some people. Yeah. So so maybe maybe it's maybe it's more accurate to say then that if AR were more popular in the nineties, that sure. would be this that would be what they were kind of going for with this. Sure. They use the internet um, 
the internet at that time only had the ability to pull off something like this, which worked in their favor, because I feel like if you go much farther with it than they actually did, then you're going to start to give it away or overdo it or, you know, it's not going to be worth it at that point. You want to be, I want to have a light touch. Hmm. I mean, it worked. I think it it worked for them. Uh, oh, it was uh, fantastically successful. I mean, the, this movie didn't yeah. make $200 million because it was a wonderfully shot film. I mean, it, it made the money because of buzz and promotion. Um, I think it was a combination of factors because I, I think if you have this marketing plan with a regular horror movie, with Scream or a regular horror movie, I don't think it works as well. I think it's a combination of the found footage style with this, with the fact it was made so cheaply by independent people I think it's just kind of that perfect combination of stuff uh, in this case. Yeah. Um. I mean, they, they even created a mockumentary for Sci-Fi Channel in 1999 that came out prior to the release called Curse of the Blair Witch, uh, which actually was a fully produced documentary, quotes, um, that explains the legend and explains how the police found the footage and the mystery around the footage and the missing people. Um, I mean, they really took their time in, in crafting this whole thing. I mean, it really was a ruse. Yeah. They, the, the setup was, was definitely there. Uh, they did a lot of kind of background establishing things like that the the documentary and and the uh the um editing of the imdb page i thought that was pretty funny they changed their their status to missing or presumed dead yeah i don't even i'm gonna look up quick because i don't even know what year imdb debuted in 1990 so it had been around okay i I was surprised by that too reading about like oh imdb was was back then yeah Yeah, in 93 it became a it became a real uh a real website Hmm. so yeah so what's your what's your take on the the overall marketing of this movie obviously it got it got butts in the seats as they say because um movie did gangbusters when it came to it made its money back like 80 times wildly successful one of the most successful independent films of all time i would say that you know the thing about viral quote unquote marketing is that anyone who tells you they can put together a viral marketing plan is full of shit because you don't put together a viral marketing plan you hope you have a viral marketing plan and every once in a while, you actually do, you know? So I think this is something that you could tr- have tried the Blair Witch 100 times and 99 out of 100 times it would have failed. And this just happened to be the one reality where it worked. Because it was the right time with the right movie, with the right campaign, with the right subject matter. And it just worked. And we've seen that in these horror movies. When you look at, like, The Exorcist, I think is a good example of how that went, its version of viral and word of mouth in the theaters. Um, it was perfect for that time. And that's, I, I think they did a great job. I mean, I think, obviously, it was very successful, and I think they used the early internet to their success and, and creating this sort of fake universe around this. But you could never do it again, you know? And there's a reason why something like this hasn't 
many movies have tried to create like an AR experience around it, and they're all, I would argue, mildly successful. Not like this, because you can only do it once. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's uh, it it really was it was a one shot a one shot deal for them. Yeah, I mean, give them credit. I mean, that's and that's what's interesting is you know if this is just a movie shot by some independence folks for $60,000, nobody cares, right? And I think that's what they should get credit for, is not the particulars of the campaign, but just knowing that, hey, we have to do more with this movie, right? This movie won't sell itself, unfortunately. So we've got to go outside the box and sell it. Uh, and that's what they did. Mm-hmm. Sell it, they did. Absolutely. Now, the... Um, the directors of the movie, uh, Daniel and Eduardo, um, went on to have, mm, I would argue, virtually no career. Um, yeah, not really. I mean, they. I feel like they. They. I guess they made their mint, as as you as they say. Uh, I don't really think they did anything else after this, right? I, I don't. I I had a really hard time finding if they did, but. I mean, yeah, they directed some straight-to-DVD type horror movies that you've never mm-hmm. that you've never heard of. Um, arguably, the most successful was um, Josh Leonard, who played Josh in the movie, um, who's had a mild acting career, nothing super notable, um, but he has at least been in things. But again, this is just. You know, we talk about in music a one-hit wonder, and I think that's exactly the way to describe this movie, is it is a one-hit wonder, a blip on the radar, an anomaly in the in the simulation of the universe, is the Blair Witch Project. Yeah. Just really, really good film students but, that just, just kind of struck it at the right, like you said, right right film at the right time. Yeah. But I think the question, Matt, that I have for you is when you take all of it, the whole package, the movie itself, the story around it, the whole thing together, is this a good movie? I say yes. I I think it 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 hits the notes that it was that it set out to hit and it elicits the response it wanted to elicit. And on top of all of that, look at all the money it made. I would say, yes, this is a good movie. It's it's kind of hard to say otherwise. I mean, I think the best thing I would say about it is that it is a, a historically important film, maybe, or it, it's a touchstone film, perhaps. Would I say it's a great movie? Eh, I don't know. I think it's a pretty good movie for what it is. Um, But it's also one of those things where, you know, the Beatles, I'm not a huge fan of them. I get they're talented. I'm not going to say they're not. They're just not for me, right? But I'm not going to... It's okay to be wrong, Sean. And I am most of the time. But I'm also (laughs) smart enough to say, even though I don't like them, I 100% acknowledge their historical importance, right? I'm not comparing the Beatles to the Blair Witch Project, but stay with me here. The Blair Witch Project, is it the best movie I've ever seen? No, but I do acknowledge what it meant to the 90s, to 
film, to the horror genre at the time, to marketing, to all the things that independent cinema, to all the things it impacted. That's what I appreciate this movie for, more so than the movie itself. Look, I think sometimes when we talk about movies, whether, you know, I think there are different levels of good that movies can reach. I think that, you know, a movie can be your per- a personal favorite or, or a movie that you enjoy watching. Doesn't mean that it's good. Yeah. Just means to, that it's good to you. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's like, um, I guess it's like, it's like home cooking or something like that where it's, you know, it's or a, a beautiful view or, or a, um, uh, just a way that the movie makes you feel uh, the, uh, uh, Blair Witch Project's not a movie that I I think I would watch again and again. I, I think it, it 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 served its purpose at the time, and and like you said, it is kind of a movie that you can really only watch once. Um, but I think what it does, I mean, it sets out to be a horror movie. It sets out to be a movie that scares you, that unnerves you. I think it accomplishes that. Um, it, it sets out to be a suspenseful movie, and I think to some degree, although the pacing is a little weird, but when you shoot 20, 20 hours of unedited film, like you know that that's bound to happen. Well, yeah, considering how it was made, you know? the final product, you got to give it credit. It's, I mean, it's, it, the footage yeah, could have been shit, you know? Yeah. I mean, it could have just all been bad because it was just a bunch of actors right. filming it. Right. Uh, we, and then in that case, I, I have a feeling we wouldn't be sitting here talking about it. So I, I think it was successful. Was it successful in the box office? Yes. Was it successful culturally? Yes. If, oh, you, if sure. you mentioned Blair Witch to anyone, oh, 100%. Um, especially the the uh, people that grew up in the '90s, absolutely. It's 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 right up it's right up there with uh, the Ring or uh, Sixth Sense or whatever cultural. I'm just thinking of like horror touchstone films that that people always talk about. Poltergeist. I've never seen Poltergeist, but um, it's up there with with those with those types of scary movies that. Um, you know, uh, gosh, I don't know why this 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 thought just popped into my head. Imagine if maybe they did make one, but like you know, um, totally a little bit off topic. The airplane and smoking gun, Leslie Nielsen movies. Yeah. Imagine if they had made one of those, but with like horror, like horror genre. Oh, like a take on it. The closest thing I could kind of think of is Young Frankenstein, but but not. Less less Mel Brooks and more Leslie Nielsen. Yeah, but the issue is this movie came out in the 90s, so we'd get a little more scary movie version of it than we would an airplane or a smoking gun. Oh, yeah, I guess, yeah. I guess, uh, yeah, a scary movie is probably the closest they got to that, yeah. Because I would like to see a clever take on it, unlike a straight sort of parody of it. <laughs> yeah. Um. Uh, Matt, can I ask you a question? You sure can. We you talked about this a little bit. A movie that you like that's not that great. A movie you enjoy despite the fact it's not a great movie. You you mean like a like a movie that Yeah, okay. I I, I get like a movie I get what you're that saying. most yeah. people agree this is not a great movie, but you you still like it anyway. Yeah. Can you give me an example of one that's not the Blair Witch Project? Of a movie that I personally enjoy? Yes. That is not really a great movie? Yes. Flubber. Can you give me one not tied to your childhood? 
Because oh, I think it's um, easy with kids' movies. It's easy because kids will like right. anything. Well, when you put it that way. But Flubber is a good answer. Flubber is a good answer. The issue I have with Flubber is I think like 80% of 90s kids would agree with you. This is a tough one. Maybe, I don't know, how was, how was Clue received? Because I'm not going to lie. I think it's a cult Clue? favorite. I think it's a cult favorite. A cult favorite? I think Clue people is, like it. Clue is one of my favorite movies ever made. I love that movie. Like, it would it would be in my top ten, for okay. sure. I don't know if it would be really high. In the, it would be in there, though, for sure. But I, I don't know. I didn't know how it was received when it came out. So you say cult favorite? I think it's well um, received today. Yes. Okay. Um. So you're talking? Are you talking about like a movie that just fell on its ass? Let me give you. I, can I, I give like? you an example of what I thought of when you said that? Okay. Yeah. A movie that I like that everyone agrees is not a good movie. What's that? Teen Wolf with Michael J. Fox. No, I think I think there's a cult following for that. No, 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 not people. I not think a, there is. No, 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 people like it because it's not good. Like, yeah. people like Clue now because they appreciate, oh, it turns out this actually is a good movie. People like Teen Wolf now because it's bananas. <laughs> it just took us 30 years to figure it out, but it is a good movie. <laughs> right. But I, Teen Wolf is not a good movie. But there's something insane about it that I just absolutely enjoy. Like, he's a werewolf, and everyone at school is like, awesome, and high fives and tosses him a beer. Like, it's crazy. And then he gets really good at basketball. Is that a movie that's tied to your childhood, though? No, it's not. I didn't see it until I was, you know, older. Okay. Because kids don't usually watch that. It's not like it runs on TV all the time or anything. I just happened to see it once, and I'm like, this movie, I can't believe. Like, Michael J. Fox was a huge star at the time, and he made Teen Wolf. (laughs) Yeah. It's crazy. And so when I was thinking of that, I'm like, oh, I wonder what what an example of that would be for Matt. Like, a movie you just really like, even though it's like, not a good movie. Well, it's, it's funny you mention it. I, I do feel like a like a large portion of those movies are are kind of in my in my in my childhood, so to speak. Like I I can't think of movies that were made in the last ten years that weren't major successes that I that I liked, but mm. like everybody else thought were, were were like crap. You don't really I don't know. You don't. I really think that's harder those. these days, though, is yeah. because we don't talk about the not good movies. You know, everyone only sees the big movies everyone sees. Because they're they're just not in the zeitgeist, right. so therefore they just don't exist. Right. Just really scary to think about, but yeah. Um. Yeah, I, w- I would have to. I'd have to dig into like. Yeah, you think about it. Think about it. You dig get into back like to us. some real, um, like indie movies, like. Uh, Wow. Okay, this could be an interesting thought thought process. But I, I'll give you another. Yeah. Uh, I have a weird affection, and again, it's movies you just have seen a number of times for no reason. The Angelina Jolie, James McAvoy action film. Uh, so good you can't even remember the name. No, but I don't want to get it wrong. Is it Wanted? Is the movie I'm thinking of? Angelina Jolie. Let me double check. I believe it's Wanted is the movie. I have it on DVD. Does she play a secret agent? No. In the movie? So let me go to her disguise, her filmography here. Uh, and that would be Wanted. 2008's Wanted. Um, 
it the plot revolves around Wesley Gibson, played by McAvoy, a frustrated account manager who discovers that he is the son of a professional assassin and decides to join the fraternity, a secret society in which his father worked. It's a movie where they went like special effects first and common sense second. And the movie makes no sense. It's absolutely insane. And the effects are so over the top there. It's, did you remember that gimmick of like curving the bullet? Like you would shoot and curve the bullet. That's, this is the movie that's from. I thought that was League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, maybe they did it in that too. I never saw that, but I know that that was like one that of the big things in this. Really dumb, yeah. And this movie is stupid. And Colby, next time we talk to Colby, talk to him about Wanted because he has an affection for it too, where it's not a good movie, but okay. there's just something very appealing about it. Okay. Yeah. So, anyway, I kind of had I kind of had one. Um, I don't, I don't know if it was super well, I mean, okay, this is going to sound crazy. I mean, it it won, it won an Academy Award. It won best picture, but how it was received, I'm not really sure. Um, by the Academy, yes, but by people, like a lot, a lot of people gave it a lot of crap, but I really liked it. The Green Book. Oh, I thought you were going to say Crash. No, (laughs) no, never saw Crash, but it's. Not that. No, I, I liked the Green Book. I thought it was I, it was an enjoyable film for me. Um, I liked it. Okay. A matter of fact, just in the same note, in the same vein, um, Hidalgo. It's another movie starring Viggo Mortensen. Hidalgo. What is that, that I about? Also, really enjoyed that didn't really get a whole lot of hype at all. That's one of those movies I only know it, it by very name. Very much came and went, but I I really liked that movie. Oh yeah. Um. That's awesome. Yeah, Hidalgo was really good. Pretty much anything starring Viggo Mortensen, I really like, but the world hates. I don't. I don't know except for the Academy, who, who gave uh, Green Book uh, the best picture. But, um, I guess YouTube YouTube critics really hate. I don't know. It got it got like slammed on YouTube for a bunch of different stuff, but. Uh, the other one I was thinking of is, I think it's called Eastern Promises. It's where, um, Viggo Mortensen plays like a Russian mobster. It was another really good movie. Used to be on Netflix. I didn't know you were such a Viggo Mortensen super fan. You know what? He's one of my favorite actors. Um, I think, I think he's a, he's a tremendous actor and played Aragorn in, in Lord of the Rings. So Crimson Tide. G.I. Jane, Psycho. Uh, are you just naming movies? Appaloosa, Far From Se- Men. Seabiscuit. He got an the Academy Award pretender. nomination for Captain Fantastic. <laughs> yeah. I'm just reading his Wikipedia. I don't think I've ever seen a Vito Mortensen movie. Not one. Not one? Not a single one. Well, I think I know what our next series is going to be about. <laughs> I can't think of a faster way to lose our audience. Good news, everybody. Welcome to our 38-part series on Vigo Mortensen. Sponsored by Manscaped. Yeah, yes, your balls will thank you. <laughs> um, yeah, this is not, not good at all. Although he is on the list of 21st century Danish poets, according to Wikipedia. He's a poet? Apparently, according to... He's also on the list of Danish photographers, hmm. American male painters. I mean, he's a he's a you know a cultured man. 
This is a true renaissance man right here. Who knew? Yep. He grew up in Venezuela and Argentina as a child. Hmm. We're learning so much. Uh, Matt, any, anything else on the Blair Witch Project before we wrap it up? I no. would just say don't go into the woods alone. No, that's the main thing. But Especially bring... not one that you know is haunted because you asked a bunch of local people and they all told you it was friggin' haunted. I do love the line, though. I think it was when they were at the hotel at the beginning. But it's like a throwaway line where they're like, oh, yeah, I got enough batteries to power a small city or something where, like, they explain why there's batteries through the whole movie. You know, and there's enough tape to shoot the whole movie. Like, they, they kind of, like, explain it away. I'm like, oh, I see what you did there. Yeah, that was a neat uh, a neat yeah. little explanation. Yeah, the camera, a neat, neat little CYA uh, moment. Yeah. Yep, didn't yeah, bring enough food. Funny. But batteries. But bought a shit ton, uh, just enough so the camera could be constantly rolling. Tons of batteries. Yeah. Yeah, that's awesome. All right, Matt. Well, that is the Blair Witch Project. Next week... We are back with our final horror movie of the season. Your last pick, Hereditary. It should be good. Now, I, I, the good news it. is, yeah. other than knowing that it's very good and popular, I know absolutely nothing about this movie. Not good. a thing. That's the way, that's honestly, that's the way I want to keep it. I don't want to give anything away about this. I think you should walk into it just totally... Totally, totally blind. Yes. Um, it, I, I, I won't tell you a single thing. It's, it's really good. Um, I really, really liked. I, I just, I hope you have the same experience I did watching it. Um, I, I now just for just for you and for our audience out there. I, I don't think of myself as someone who gets easily frightened or upset by movies. After watching Hereditary, and my my wife can attest to this, I had to sleep with the lights on, clutching a rosary beads for about three days after after watching wow. Hereditary. Wow! Wow! It, it just it, it just hit me in that in that way, and maybe may, and we'll talk about this, but the pacing I think has a lot to do with it. It's kind of the opposite of the movie you just watched in the sense that they – I think they actually nail the pacing. Okay. Good. Um, I'm a big in, fan in of In a way pacing. that not many – not many horror movies will – will, will uh, you'll ever see. We'll, we'll do it. So I can't wait to – can't wait to discuss it with you next week. Yeah. Now, uh, for the holiday this weekend, my mother is staying with me for the weekend. Uh, do you think I should screen the movie for her? Um, yeah. Does she like horror movies? Absolutely not. Does she not. scare easily? Sure. Okay. Um, then she, yes, she likes absolutely. those Hallmark Christmas movies. Is it kind of like okay. that? This sounds perfect for her. Nailed it. <laughs> Thank you. Great. I'll let her know yes. you recommended it. Yep. Say so it was it's, all man's idea. It actually, when you watch it, it, it does make sense. It is a. It's a big family movie. Maybe you you could say it's a mother son movie in mm-hmm. a way. So in a way, that's encouraging. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, very cool, Matt. Well, uh, we'll be back next week. Before we wrap up here, I, I just, I got to do the cross promotion, but a brand new episode of Don't Panic is out right now. We taped yesterday, actually, our pre-Thanksgiving episode. It was a lot of fun. Matt, you'll appreciate this. Dan just went to Disney World or Disneyland in California. Sorry. Wow. Um, he was out there. He had a very nice time. We got the scoop. What was he, he doing w- out there? He went. Uh, he was out there, I think, for work or pleasure. Okay. I don't know. But uh, he made some time to go. He went to the Star Wars land out there. Hmm. Uh, which he enjoyed very much. 
Um, and he gives us a full report of his trip in the first 10 minutes of the episode. Later on, we get into the tech news, including the Tesla Cybertruck, which we have a lot of opinions on. I don't know. Did you see the Cybertruck, Matt? Uh, I saw I saw them throw like a giant brick at it. Yes. And it's like shattered the window. Yeah, I, I wasn't I supposed see to that do part. that. <laughs> yeah, it's very silly looking. Um, yeah. And we definitely make fun of it. Uh, we also talk about the new Razer folding phone, which is kind of fun and funky, um, and a lot of other great stuff. So that's right now at don'tpanic.io or wherever you get podcasts. Just search for Don't Panic and look for the big red button. This show, UpForDebate.tv, of course, all of our episodes are there. This entire horror series, you're welcome to go back and listen to them at your leisure or any of our episodes. You can also uh, get the show anywhere you get podcasts. Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, Overcast, you name it, we're there. Video version on YouTube. And of course, uh, you can get a hold of us at UpForDebateTV on Twitter or email us UpForDebateTV at gmail.com uh, are the best ways to do that. But that's going to end it for, uh, for this episode. Uh, we're going to wrap it up here. So on behalf of Matt, I'm Sean. Have a spooky, scary Thanksgiving. Uh, on behalf of both of us, uh, enjoy your family lest they try to kill you. Um, and we'll see you next time for another Up for Debate. This has been a Coffee and Beer production, executive produced by Matt Mariani and Sean Jennings. To learn more, visit coffeeandbeer.tv.